You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody, and. Welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey Post-Game Blitz. I'm here with the whole crew. Jay is here from San Diego. Hey, how you doing, Jay? Doing great, John. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. Brian Manning is from West Virginia. Boy, we are the we are the cream of high-tech, long-distance talking. How you doing, fellas? Well, what do you expect after that one? Okay, everybody. Nobody was surprised, were they? I mean, West, nope. West Virginia West Virginia was the hat tip, and North Carolina was the hat drop. Certainly none of this is surprising. I've been saying this for about three months now, that this is what this year was going to look like. To those of us, I mean, Brian put out a great five takeaways. Really, I mean, that was, Brian, that, uh, seriously, that was one of your best. You do a good job, but that was one of your best ones. Especially under the conditions that they were. Thank you. I know sometimes people don't have a people have a short attention span. So fifteen hundred words was I, I didn't even know I'd done fifteen hundred words, and then I looked up and I'm like, I, I better slow this down. I, I could have went fifteen hundred more, but what's the point? Then, like I said, with away games instead of the pictures, I do the good, bad, and ugly. And I had to. You did such a complete job and said what I had to say. I had to come up with a different angle, which turned out to be a good angle, by the way. But it just, you know. We got a lot to deal with, don't we, Jay? You know, you've, um, been, you've been saying this for a while. We got a lot to deal with. Yeah, I mean, if if it wasn't clear yet to to folks that thought maybe the Hokies were going to be in a better position, like how absolutely bare the cupboards were, uh, I think that it's clear now. Like there was a lot of hope about the defense, and like we observed on Gobbler Country early on, we we're like, listen, man, those are probably false defensive numbers. We're literally playing some of the worst offenses in all of college football to include the FCS's worst offense. So like, of course they're going to look better. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is we, we just, there's a significant talent gap. And, you know, a lot of people are looking at the coaches and being like, well, Elko's doing this and Duke and so-and-so is doing this. I would argue heavily that their cupboards were not as bare as Virginia Tech's. Um, I have to agree. I mean, we've been singing this song for how many years now, Brian? I mean, you and I have been pecking back and forth as as we watched the quality of the recruits flutter down after the 2011, actually after about the 2008-2009 season. And then even Josh was would, would get on, and when he was doing recruiting and writing for recruiting for us, he was constantly, hey, you know, these guys might be four stars, but they're not looking like they're going to develop. And we're seeing three stars, and you know, guys that are that are getting unsigned and and they're evaporating. They're they're not being developed. They're not showing up. They're they're not ever playing a game of football on on the field. We knew we knew at some point. We didn't know when when Fuente was when the we, we had a one year our recruiting class was seventy fifth, which was worst of all Power Five teams. That was embarrassing. We knew at some point, and then you know what's sad of that class, our top seven players in a horrible class transferred so, or kicked out of school. So at some point, you knew this was going to happen. I thought it would have happened sooner. 
I mean, last year was hor- last year was horrible, but it, it's finally it finally came. I think the last good recruiting class we've had from top to bottom was the year that Dax and Trey Turner and those guys were a part of the class. And since then, it's been it's going down. Now, now don't get me wrong. The last class last year, Prize first class, Fuente's final class. They both get credit for that class, and then and then the class they're signed this year. I like a lot of players in these classes. But we we, we got to show that we can develop those kids, and we we don't have uh, we don't have anything saying that we can right now. And that was outside of Joe Rudolph. I'm I'm confident in Joe Rudolph on the offensive line, but I worry about some of these other guys. I really do. Yeah, I see him on the sideline, and and he is patient, and he's constant. But he's doing stuff in pregame warmups that you're not supposed to do. Okay, I see him in pregame warmups, and he's he's teaching. Okay. See this? It, when when this goes, you, you engage here. You you know you, he's teaching blocking techniques and 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 reinforcing blocking techniques. Anybody who's done a pregame warm up, it's it's basically a pump you up thing. You know, right? Let's get a little stretch, get some energy, see the crowd start to build. You know that kind of stuff. More, it's not really conditioning anymore. It's just kind of a thing to do to get everybody focused on the game, right? And I'm still seeing coaches, I'm seeing J.C. Price out there with the defensive line trying to teach how to shed a blocker, uh, reinforce it again. Well, go they, need it. It. they need they it. They need it. They, they have 100% to. need it. They're, they're yeah. not, they're at a significant talent and size gap. And I know that they're playing their hearts out and I'm not trying to denigrate their effort at all. But NCAA football at the Power 5 level is cutthroat. People are trying to make teams be elite so that they can get drafted in the NFL. And what we have is a collection of players that, unfortunately don't meet those physical and athletic requirements most of the time, right? Like Dax is our best linebacker. I'd argue he's an all right power five linebacker. He definitely has weaknesses and probably wouldn't be on a team like, you know, Clemson or the Alabamas because he doesn't have the prototype skill sets. Well, but, he lacks speed. He lacks speed. He lacks right, height. Now he, exactly. he's got football intelligence out the wazoo. He, he can, he can do the football intelligence thing, but then if you notice the cut and and you saw Pry on the sideline burning his ears off, it was the you know on this last game when he got beat on the touchdown when they messed up the shift and they let the tight end go. Dax would have been that Dax would have been an All American twenty years ago, but the game has evolved so much. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, like if if the Edmonds brothers were still on the team, he wouldn't even be starting. No, right. And love them as I do. I, I, I love some Dax Hollifield. Oh, I love the kids. I, I, Hart. I'm a, oh, I love I, how hard he plays. Yeah, not criticizing him at all because I, I love Dax. And you couldn't ask for a better representative of this school. And and I, and I respect him and love him as a player. Like, I don't know about you guys. I don't mean to get all nostalgic here, but my favorite linebackers that we've ever had, at least since I've been alive and, and been a is is Vince Hall and Xavier Davey. Those were the years right there. I, I don't know that we'll ever have a pair as good as those two. No, I, I never. Well, we got close a couple of times. But, but you the know, point the point Tyler, is, is that, that we don't stuff. have we don't have we don't have power five caliber athleticism in the starting lineup, and we we might have it in the backup, right? In the second and third stringers, those freshmen and true freshmen that you guys were talking about in your articles that we probably need to start developing. I mean, we're kind of waxing poetic here. So if we want to just kind of get into what we were taught, what we saw in the game, I was following the game on my phone 
because uh, I was not able to watch it live. And then I watched some of the replays. And I guess the, the thing that surprised me the most is that we we made UNC's defense look competent. That hurts. <laughs> it, uh, it it, 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 it's a very painful observation, but it's very true. Our offense. OK, somebody uh, was commenting on the one of the boards. Well, if we would call better plays and everything else. And I'm like, wait. You got to be able to execute a fundamental offense before you can get fancy. You need to be able to operate a dive play and get it to work at least for four yards before you can get really shockingly fancy with anything, right? These these coordinators have a lot to learn, and I still think that Pryor would have been better served hire, hiring a veteran, a veteran coordinators, especially offensive, because he's a defensive guy. So I don't so much worry about Marv. I think he's going to grow into the position. But and I'm not knocking Bowen, and, and I think he would have been better served hiring a veteran coach. With that being said, I can't fault Bowen or Mar for anything that's going schematically. You, we, the talent differential against most teams is is glaring. Yeah, it, it's you know when we'll go through it in the next podcast when we go through the pit, you know the pit thing because you know Pitt's not honestly Pitt right now is not looking as good as Carolina, but. It's going to devastate us, dude. But yeah, well, no, they're going to kill us. And the reason why they're going to kill us is Pitt's offense is is okay. It's not real, operating real well, but it doesn't have to operate real well in order to kill us. And their defense is operating really well. And and so, we all and we all know going to Pittsburgh is even when we were good was yeah. a lot of bad memories. Cursed, yeah. absolutely cursed. And I'm I'm that, a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, so I know. That city and that venue, and it, they used to be it used to be the Heinz Field and the Big Ketchup, and they named it some silly other thing, but it's still the Big Ketchup, and it's still poison to us. And so was Three River Stadium, by the way. Well, you know what? The other thing that we need to talk about here is, dude, Drake May is for real. Yep, he is very good. How do you go I, if you're North Carolina, who's been a a garbage program football wise for years. They, they always get good players here and there, but they squander them. That's what Mac Brown's kind of known for is getting elite talent. He can't coach. But with that being said, Drake may to go from Sam Howell, who was a stud to Drake may, who is going to be a future number one overall pick. And, and he will be by the end of next year when he's eligible to go because he's, oh, he's gone. He's gone. He, I, I, he, 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 he will has, not hang around. You want, he's the perfect blend of what, NFL teams want now he, he's got the athleticism and he's big Aww. he's big strong he, he's accurate I mean I'm jealous and I hate to say it but he's phenomenal the first he really snap is. and I was like oh shoot and I didn't say shoot I, I was I, always George Carlin shoot I, I obviously don't like North Carolina but I always was a huge Sam Howell fan I love to watch him play and Sam Howell had he been two or three inches taller would have been much higher NFL draft pick but as good as Sam Howell was is Drake May is going to be a lot better. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Well, and when you just look at what UNC's done, like even when they've been bad or we've been beating them, man, like, you know, Mitch Trubisky isn't exactly lighting the NFL on fire, but he was a very good college quarterback. And the fact is that, and this goes to what you guys were saying, man, this talent is available to Virginia Tech, and we used to be the ones going in there and getting them. And I think that's something that the, the fan base just maybe doesn't understand because the recruiting is still kind of like, you know, Deep fans pay attention to it, but when you're looking at like a casual fan, like the people that like watch it on Saturdays and scroll through on Facebook and are paying attention to college football when it's college football, I don't think they understand just how bad, probably I would say starting four years ago, how badly 
the recruiting situation got, it started to get pretty, like you guys were talking about after 10, 11, it started to get bad when Beamer didn't modernize his techniques, but at least he still maintained those relationships and we still were able to bring some talent. We just couldn't bring as much. And then we found ourselves in a situation where they wouldn't even go to certain high schools, you know, just be like, I'm not going to go there. They can come meet us. Well, and and then not only that, not only were they not going to high schools, high schools didn't want them. There were literally high schools with old Hokies coaching those high schools who said, Lauren, jo- Lauren Johnson of Highland Springs, the best football program in the state, star player for us. I'm not going to say he didn't want any of his kids, but but Fuente pissed him off immediately. And Lauren Johnson was like, I'm not going to help anybody go there. He wasn't telling nobody not to go there. It's not the kind of guy he is, but. We shouldn't. We certainly could have used him in our corner to get some of those players who ended up at Oklahoma and South Carolina, and, all, and I mean, it's just. And well, well, the point okay. is, is that they're having to dig themselves out of that hole, and that's going to take time. Two, two years. That's uh, two yeah. year process at least. We are going to get blown out again this year. It's going to happen. I think. I think. What? Okay. Now, the lesson to the big lesson to big three lessons to learn from this escapade in the last six minutes of this show. Number one, no more expectations for the season other than the fact that maybe we get some incremental improvement. Now, we, the three of us have been singing this all season. I need, we need Hokie Nation to listen and, and understand and digest this. I think with the response to Brian's five takeaways and the good, bad, and the ugly response, I think people are starting to get it. I really do. I think the representative sample that we see in the comments and people saying things, I think we're starting to see that number one thing, which is people need to set their overblown expectations aside. There is a major rebuild. We are at the bottom of a well, and Brent Pride just got the digging stopped. You know, I want to, my biggest takeaway, since I know we were just wanting to wrap this up about this game, my biggest takeaway from this game was seeing guys like Daquan Wright and Bryce Duke forget the red shirts. Let's play the best players. And uh, that's how it should be because with the transfer portal era, red shirts are, are not as going to be as common as they used to be. So let's go ahead and get these guys out there. Let's feature them because Daquan Wright's already one of the top two or three offensive weapons we have. Let's play them. And then, and you, and you see, I saw Mansoor Delane. I mean, it was immediate. He came in the game in the second quarter. He ta- tackles a running back for four or five yard loss. The next play, he stops May for a three yard gain. That's an immediate impact. That guy belongs on the field. I mean, so those are the things you want to see moving forward. Are we going to win? We may not win four games this year, but I want to see these young players get better each and every week. That's exciting to me because we all wanted a change. We got it. Let's let Pride do his thing, whether he succeeds, fails, or whatever. Let's let him do his thing. Yeah, I, I say, you know, everybody who knows football knows that there was a lot of questions about that hire and about how it worked out and how it ended up and how Brent Pry was actually sort of the third choice out of everything as other stuff fell through and for better, for quote unquote, better opportunities. Well, and we won't go into those details, but the, the big thing to remember here is, is that this team is better served and will probably win more football games by doing what Brian is suggesting and getting just getting it, getting done with it and saying, okay, seniors, we love you. Thank you very much. But it's time for these young guys to start in and start doing stuff. And we're going to use you as the subs and we want you to help coach. 
We want you to help get, bring them along. These guys are going out on the field. They need to get experience. And yeah, you're right. Red shirts are useless now. In the transfer portal era, red red shirts are useless. Okay, you good? I don't have much to add. I, I second that. I just like, this has understandably been a little bit of a more morose and no constructive criticism offered with the little to no expertise that we have. But the, the important thing is, is that they got to understand uh, the fan base, I mean, has got to understand that these are young men are playing as hard as they can. And there, there is a, there is reality with regards to the athleticism and talent available on the field. But I, I sure hope that we don't run into situations where we're booing and booing people on our field and stuff like that. So don't, don't do that. Like start looking for the positives. Like you're saying, I fully agree. Like we need to start Looks like like at this point, why bring Malachi Thomas back? Just get healthy and then let's have him ready to go next year. Yep. Or if he's if he's certainly healthy, like not borderline, bring him in for the last couple of games. But don't risk anything because that's that's the kind of player that next year we could potentially build around while everybody else is gaining experience. And you know, I I was about, you know, like give Wells a chance, maybe give Brown a chance. I'm starting to lean pretty hard towards like if the junior, the younger quarterbacks on on the um, roster don't know the offense well enough yet to run it, copy, start. So that in two or three weeks, at least you know a handful of plays so that we can start getting experience to Boyd and those folks because Wells and Brown are not like, Brian, you made an awesome observation on one of your tweets where you're just like, Brown just held the ball and got sacked, right? Like they're just, it's too fast of a game for them. And so let's, it's probably too fast for Boyd right now too. But like, let's get him acclimated. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's one of those one of those sad situations where you see you're, you're screaming at the TV for the quarterback. You see the open receiver down, you know, downfield in the corner of the television, and you're screaming at the quarterback to throw the damn ball. And he's standing there like Statue of Liberty with his hand up in the air. He just doesn't, have, he, he doesn't see him. There was and, one. And, there was one drive there. Um, Saturday where I think it's where we kicked a field goal where Nick Gallo is going across the formation. He's standing there wide open. I mean, with, with, within 20 yards and Wells is never looks his side and he crosses the formation. So he sees him not covered and still locked into whoever was running. I mean, it was, I felt bad for, I feel bad for Wells. He gets a lot of criticism, but, and, and like Jay said, I'm not going to boo him because he's, because he's not capable of playing quarterback at this level. This is his dream school. He wanted to be here. I support him. But it's it's fair to call to call it what well, it is. Well, it's a straight performance evaluation, and it's a straight observation of what you can see on the field and how you can see he's doing things. And it's not a personal criticism of Grant Wells. It is a a technical issue that he either addresses and learns how to fix, or he isn't going to fit. And and that's just you know I. I, I was five foot seven inches tall and 180 pounds and got my head pounded into my shoulders and wrecked my neck. I wasn't going to play an interior lineman in high school football. It wasn't going to happen. I had to accept that. And a lot of other people have had to do that in their lives. And and some of these guys on this team are just going to have to realize that that's the way it is and, and move on with everything. And, and that's the way Hokie Nation is going to have to look at this, too. And we're going to leave it with that as we wrap up the show is, you know, guys, everybody, yeah, take a chill pill. It's going to be a long road. And I think Brent Pry is going to get it. We might have some coaching switches. We might have some coaching swaps. We might have new t- new blood and new talent coming in. But, the, but that's what we're going to have to deal with is new. 
And, you know, it's, it's, you know, our, that's, that's the way it's going to be. So, okay. That's the old and the old game. Now we turn the page and we end the show and the blitz with what we always end our shows with, because we really mean it. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. <laughs> <laughs>